0: This is Aeroponics DIY with Lee Massey, Episode 1. Welcome to Aeroponics DIY, where we take your gardening into the future. Join us as we teach you how to grow your plants bigger, faster, and cleaner without using soil, and how you can be healthier eating live food. Plus, learn the business selling what you grow. And now, here's your host, Lee Massey. Today, we are so privileged to have Dr. Jan Young of Living Towers. Now, Jan is considered to be the queen of aeroponics using tower gardens. Jan owns and operates a 4,400 square foot state-of-the-art greenhouse that, that produces all types of lettuce, herbs, and vegetables all year long. In this episode, you will learn why she was hesitant in growing without soil and moving over to aeroponics. She will also show you how to take a seed using rock wool into a seedling all the way up until harvesting in your aeroponics system. Jan fills and expresses why she knows that aeroponic growing is better than planting in soil. She also wants everyone to know that aeroponics is for everyone. It's for all ages. It's for young ones. It's for seniors. It's it's even for people who are handicapped and why it doesn't have to be a science project. She also will tell you some of her tricks in controlling pests by using complementary plants. Also, She will explain why having an aeroponic system is like having a farmer's market right outside your back door. You know, Jan has so much more to share. So, please, let's listen to Jan Young. Hi, everyone. Uh, Today on our podcast, we have a very exciting guest. This guest, she actually owns a 4,400 greenhouse, but not only she owns it, she runs it, and it is loaded with tower gardens, which are considered to be aeroponics. And with this greenhouse, she also gives tours, so she knows quite a bit about running a greenhouse. So let me welcome Jan Young. How are you doing, Jan?
1: I am doing well, thank you.
0: Hey, that's good to hear. Yeah, can you uh, tell us, you know, when you got started and how you got started with uh, um, aeroponics?
1: Well, it's been about, it's, I've been growing tower gardens for about seven, uh, six years. But the reason I got started is is I've taught whole food nutrition, you know, I've done juicing and had natural food stores and juice bars for about 25. So I've always taught, you know, teach and preach about eating as much fruits, vegetables as possible, you know, for health. So I also grow in the ground. I promote ground growing for people organically as, as possible. But I was never interested in actual hydroponics for, for all of that time. But it was simply being that the materials that are generally used, you know, styrofoam or, or plastics and things like that. But anyway, so I saw a friend of mine who had a project, and it was with tower gardens and other modalities of hydroponics and other aeroponics. And so that's when I got excited. So I started growing aeroponically about five years ago. But it was because of the nutrient density of the food as opposed to ground growing, the complete control of it, being able to grow beyond organic, meaning that everything goes into my plants. I know exactly what it is and I treat the area accordingly. And so that's why I started in hydroponics. But I've been growing the, the towers here now for about five, almost six years now.
0: Wow, wow.
1: In my driveway just to play with them, you know, just to... I had to check out the good, bad, and ugly of, you know, how aeroponics would work for me because I'm a single person, so it had to be manageable, you know, and it had to be productive with not a great amount of knowledge. You know, at that time, I mean, I've never gone to a master gardening class. And aeroponically, you can grow wonderful vegetables, without having all of that expertise originally, and then you simply learn as you grow.
0: Wow. So it seems like uh, your first approach, you're kind of hesitant about um, growing without soil. And so after you got your tape...
1: Growing without soil. That's one thing. Growing without soil means that you really have to know that the minerals that you're using are as good as, if not surpassing, the soil that's in your area to use. So that's one, but it wasn't just that. Well, it was part of that because the energy that Mother Earth gives plants makes a difference, obviously. But today, with as many issues as we have with our soil, et cetera, and the waters and everything, we have to look at, you know, other methods of growing that meet the needs of of the Earth today. And so it was more of the materials used when it comes to regular plastics and styrofoams, which if you're trying to grow clean... Growing, you know, you know, organic without the extra chemicals. A lot of those materials um, leach toxic byproducts into the water. So that's really why I was hesitant about hydroponics, and that's why I only use a food grade plastic system.
0: Oh, okay, okay, wow, okay. So basically, you had you're more more cautious because of what was in a lot of these plastics. that might leach into your food. Okay.
1: And that, and also then the minerals. You know, then the minerals you you use. You can grow anything with miracle growing water. You know, I mean, you can grow anything within water for a while, but that's not going to guarantee any type of nutrient density in your food. So I didn't start growing to be a farmer, um, you know, retire and say, oh, I'll just build a greenhouse to become a farmer. It was not that. It was this, the way I grow, because of the earth minerals that we use to growing as they're growing you know, into the water. So I feed my plants the widest array of all the earth minerals and all the trace elements that would be in a pristine soil, okay? But I can do that in a special mix in the water so I can feed the plants appropriately exactly what they need because they're you know, if your roots are drawing up, they're searching for what they need to be strong and nutrient-dense. So when I check and mark those two things, you know, clean materials and good minerals, aeroponics grow so much quicker and, and more efficiently than ground growing that it was kind of like a no-brainer, as they call it. So that's wow. why I grew them first here. My side, I'm a single person, so 10 towers aeroponically is way too much. You could not eat that much. So my friends ate really well. But that's when I decided to build the greenhouse, just to showcase the technology for people so they realize how simple it is, how doable it is. You don't need a green thumb, black thumb. You can grow without a thumb. You know, it's just, it's, it's the best that science offers today to help us alleviate the stress on the earth.
0: Wow. Okay, so then, if I heard you right, you actually built the greenhouse so that you can show others and educate others on the subject?
1: That's why I have a greenhouse. It wasn't, like I said, to be a farmer per se. We're open. I started with a 2,200 square foot greenhouse, just enough to be able to grow a whole different kind of variety of towers because I grow all vegetables on all of my towers and then had larger ones to be able to produce food for local co-ops or stores that only do natural organic foods. And then that grew into having to double the greenhouse. I'm open to the public, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, people come and buy. Whatever I'm growing is for sale, so they buy their produce. But then the other end of it is my goal was not to sell them just produce, but it was to educate them that they could grow their own. So the goal of the greenhouse always was the educational part and to do it in an eco-friendly way. So even this greenhouse is totally eco-friendly. I use 5% of the water, the space, the power that it takes to grow in the ground. I'm, I grow, I don't know, at any given time, 10,000 plus plus plants, and I would never be able to maintain that in the ground. You know, I grow weeds as well as I grow plants in the ground. So that was one way to be able to accomplish that. Plus, we also yeah. community food beings, so it doesn't take much. If you grow aeroponically, any community-minded person can grow and fit their whole family and feed their whole family. That also could grow and service their community, whether it be food banks or missions or whatever.
0: Wow, wow. So Absolutely. you are getting, so you are producing plenty then.
1: Absolutely. And I do it 12 months a year because it's aeroponic. In other words, aeroponically, you can grow through the weather changes. I'm in Florida. You had just mentioned you're in California the temperatures now are 90 to 100 plus degrees. So here in Florida, same as in California right now, when it's 100 and some degrees, you're not buying lettuce from the ground. It's too hot. You That's know, true. Here we have a higher humidity also. So everything stops you know, here in the summer. Our season is winter and fall growing and spring. So, But right now you can come and you can walk in my greenhouse and buy cucumbers and tomatoes and kale and chard and lettuces and herbs and eggplant. Whatever I'm growing, I grow all year long. That's one of the big advantages of aeroponics, no matter where you live. And take the aeroponic system inside. You know, we have thousands of people growing tower gardens inside if they live in a four-season area. Grow it outside when you have, you know, regular temperatures. But when it begins to hard freeze, then you move it inside add grow lights, and grow your vegetables all year.
0: Wow. Okay. So you can move it indoors as well. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's do this Jan. Can you take us from the beginning to the end like taking a seed and turning into a seedling and how that would move through your uh, greenhouse. So so first um what's the most easiest um uh, vegetable or produce that people can start with?
1: Well actually the majority of them are equally as easy if you have a good- Oh. I only grow in towers, so I, I know my system. But first of all, there's no dirt involved, you know, when it comes to aeroponic growing. So we're grow, we grow in rock wool here. There's other forms of, you know, um, materials you can use. There's cocoa fibers. There's different pellets, But I find that rock wool is the best, and rock wool is simply a spun fiber from volcanic rock. It's in a little cube. It's totally clean. It's not certifiable organic wise because it doesn't decompose. It does not break down. But that little piece of rock will simply get soaked. You decide what you're growing. So an average tower that I grow to show families, you know, what to grow so they can so they can cut their grocery bill, would maybe be some Swiss chard and celery, maybe a couple tomatoes, eggplant, tons of lettuce, depending on how many salads they. Eat. Herbs, etc. So, all about grow equally. So, all I do is make sure we only use a high quality seed, and I recommend to everybody using a non GMO seed, period, whether it be organic heirloom or simply natural seed. But after that, you simply soak the rock well. It's like a hard sponge, which means that if you don't soak it for at least 20, 30 minutes, it won't retain the water. And then I simply, inside, boom, 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 plant seeds. One, one, one.
0: Uh-huh. How thick or how large is this um, rock wool?
1: The rock wool are about one-and-a-half-inch cubes that fit right in our unit here in the tower garden because they fit right into a little net pot, but they do have different sizes depending on what you're doing aeroponically, you know, what kind of system you have. But in my system, they have the cubes to match.
0: Okay, let's say... Yeah, yeah, let's say that we're planting um, kale. How deep do you insert the seeds into this um, sponge-like material?
1: In rock, well, there's a little indentation right in the center of it. That's maybe a quarter inch deep. All you simply do is drop the seeds. You just drop the seed right in it. So
0: okay. It's
1: already indented in the center, so you drop a seed. So kale, oh. say for instance, when we plant, I would drop two kale seeds because when I do green kale or Toscano or red kale, we usually do two seeds lettuces would be one unless it's romaine right now it's very hot romaine grows very fast in three and a half weeks i have a full head so instead of just doing one or two right now i'd grow three i'd grow them shorter because they'll grow so quickly in the summer and then i have more lettuce to gain other
0: plants
1: like tomatoes and eggplants single seed one seed will give you one plant and if you're growing aeroponically it grows a third quicker and produces so much more than in the ground because it's so perfectly fed and watered. And um, so I just, I do minimal seed, but I get maximum growth.
0: Okay, so in this, in this uh, when you soak this uh, wool, is it just plain water, that's all is in there, or?
1: Um, water, or you can use a little bit of the minerals, a tiny about, a tiny amount of the minerals, and that simply helps to negate and balance the pH of the rockwool.
0: Okay. So,
1: so we use maybe a, a small amount, literally, um, you know, a, a tablespoon and, and a couple of gallons, just enough to what it'll do is is just help balance the pH of the buckwheat itself because it's a natural element.
0: Okay. Now, how long does I mean how long do you um, need to uh, keep the uh, buckwheat soaked or um, damp um, for the seeds to germinate?
1: Well, when you soak Rockwell, Rockwell retains water extremely well. That's why Rockwell is the material used. So, our typical day of planting was yesterday here. We plant seedlings every week, thousands of them. So, all we do is lay them out. We planted them yesterday. They stay inside one day and, and move them out today. So, today, they'll be in full sun for the rest of their lifetime as a seedling until they're planted in towers. So, after that, I would overhead water them. We do here. If other places that are at, you know, full production have lots of motors and machinery, you know, they may have a float system, you know, so that it fills up, you know, water and drains. But we overhead water twice a day. It's all it does. Rock will maintain water extremely well. So even even if you forgot to water them, you know, in a couple of days, it would be dried out by a couple of days. But it's, they'll retain water for 24, almost 48 hours.
0: We did okay.
1: Over the country, so putting them in a box and somebody receiving them three days later, they will still be damp.
0: Oh wow! So they do hold moisture pretty well. Yes. Well, so so then so how so how large does the ceiling need to get before you can move it into one of your towers?
1: Well, ceilings on an average will have ceilings, and first of all, when you plant in, in rock because it's such a perfect scenario, you know, you're going to water a well, it's got full sun. Um, seedlings will pop up within days, you know, in lettuce, seven to ten days, you have a seedling ready to put in your tower. You can actually put in an even smaller, if you'd like. You can, uh, you know, some, some seeds take a little longer, you know, peppers take longer to come up, celery does, you know, um, um, parsley takes. So there's, there's some plants that take longer to come up, but on the whole, Within a week to two weeks, you can you plant them right in your, in your towers, if you have a tower garden or whatever system you have. Can you hold them longer? Absolutely. You know, if you weren't ready to plant because you're replacing some plants and you're kind of not ready to pull them out yet, well, then you can actually just keep them in a container, keep them watered, and you can hold them for weeks.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Now, you mentioned that you ship um, your seedlings. And um, so, how I mean, how is that done without them being damaged uh, during um, their, their to, travel?
1: Well, we have a way to containerize them. So, when people order, we ship all over the country um, every week. So, what they do is, then they decide what they want, um, what we have available. We have a seedling site, LivingTowerSeedlings dot com. So, you can go on there, and we probably have. I haven't done a recent count, actually, maybe 30 to 40 different varieties of plants. Anything I grow here, we have seedlings for, obviously. And so um, you just we box them, we containerize them so they get their safe and sound in a couple of days.
0: Okay, okay. Now, do and you... Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, do you also do any type of rooting instead of starting from a seed?
1: Oh, yes. With a rock wool and aeroplanet growing, is so easy because you can actually, yes, I tell people all the time, I start stevia, mint, rosemary, all types of things. I go to my mom's, and when you trim the gardenias, I'll trim the gardenia, and I'll bring it here and put it in a rock wool and pop it in my power garden for a while to start my gardenia that much faster and stronger. So, yes, you can take clipping. Somebody, your neighbor has a... Special chocolate mint or something like that that you would just love. You don't need to find seeds. Just literally take a few clippings, put them in the rock wall. When it's now, it's 90 to 95 degrees. Then what I'll do is put in a little protected area instead of full sun just until they catch on. So it's like more partial sun just for the baby seed now that's what I'm trying to root. But oh, yes, it's very easy to do. I start trees the same way. You know, if I take a cutting from a tree or something like that, I can pop it in Rockwell, allow it to root until I see some roots coming through, and then I put it in my tower.
0: Well, wow. Yeah, I have a neighbor who has a uh, um, um plant, and I wanted to try to uh, uh, start my own olalaberrys, so we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> there you go. Just do a number of them because some of them might not take. But you do a number of them, um, or I'll put maybe two or three in a rock, well, for some things that are a little tougher, tarragons and things like that can be a little touchy sometimes. So I'll simply, you know, poke like four holes and start four little starters in case, you know, I lose one or two.
0: Now, do you recommend using like uh, B1 at all with it to help the rooting? I.
1: I keep things very simple. If you want to do the type of rooting material you can, absolutely. I mean it's you know, it gives it a strong start. Sometimes I do, but the majority of times I don't. I I believe Mother Nature does its own job, so I really don't fuss a lot. I grow thousands of plants, but I allow them to grow. So yeah, I just I do see. best I can and so it's not always necessary to have a rooting material, but it certainly can't hurt. It can only help.
0: Okay, okay. So you allow uh, Mother Nature to, to take its place. Bingo. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, so now we have our ceiling. It's in the uh, tower garden. Uh, what happens next?
1: Uh, tower garden is set up very simple, so just like any other aeroponic system. So you'll have your your plants that are in a vertical tower, all right, waiting to be watered. So in the base of it, is water, obviously in a tower garden it's 20 gallons of water and then added to that water are your minerals. This we call a mineral tonic. So whatever it is, it's a fertilizer because the definition of a fertilizer is plant food. So whatever type, but we have a special mineral tonic we use in this so that we get all of the minerals needed to plant all crops. In other words, I don't have a restriction. My, My food just doesn't feed lettuce well and I need to add something for tomatoes If I had to do that, I wouldn't be growing the tomatoes because I I don't want to get into the science part. I would like to do something that works, and that's what I want to be able to teach. So in other words, you fill up your base with water and your minerals, and then it's on a time system. The beauty of aeroponics is that it spends the majority of time, the roots that are hidden inside the tower part, not out exposed to direct sunlight, when the timer goes on, when the water goes on, and right now, since it's so hot, we have our timer set for fifteen on and fifteen off right now. But that's to negate it the greenhouse being up to one hundred and ten degrees sometimes. But so what'll happen is the water will be pumped from the bottom to the top, but she's just a little tower, you know, and it trickles down trickles down the inside of the plastic tower. So during that time then your roots from your and your rock will the very back of your rock will is getting wet. And eventually, when your roots are growing long, they're growing down and hanging, they're hanging in air. And every time those mineral water runs over it, those roots are pulling up exactly what they need to grow a strong, healthy plant. So they're pulling out whatever elements, whatever minerals they require, and not using the rest. So, But then the majority of time, the plant's roots are hanging in air. That's why it's called aeroponic. Aeroponic means working with air. Hydroponic means working with water. Aeroponic is simply a form of hydroponic, but aeroponic is the strongest way to grow plants. NASA's done extensive research on that to be able to send men to space, you know, for years at a time and be able to grow fresh food. So that action of, of hanging in air, the oxygen that you mentioned earlier that the that the roots need to grow strong is why it grows such a strong plant And in a third, sometimes a half less time. So at least a third quicker, you grow aeroponically. But then again, it's a perfect scenario. It's a perfect water delivery system and perfect food, always available for the plant. It's air conditioned because of the the cool water running over the roots when it's extremely hot. And it also helps to grow when it's extremely cold being the fact that the humidity factor and the temperature of the water is never freezing. So you're helping your plants grow in a, in a perfect situation. So that's why the end of it is so productive. So once you have your minerals set, you set a timer depending on, you know, what you're growing and what the season is. Inside, if you're growing, you can water, you know, have the, the water trickle or mist over your your roots. For maybe 15 minutes out of an hour, but when it's outside and it's extremely hot or extremely windy, that the rock will might dry out, you know, from the outside. That's when you would water it a little bit more.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the roots, I think many of our audience were probably surprised to hear that plants need oxygen too, because we were all taught that through photosynthesis, uh, the plants. Uh, uh, convert uh, carbon um, dioxide into oxygen. So, but the plant itself needs oxygen for its roots. And it's that also,
1: uh, that's, that's a very good point, and it's also very easy to prove if you think about it. If you've ever seen a staghorn fern, or air plants, or an orchid, say for instance. People are always amazed at orchids, how they can grow so tall, so strong, they're aeroponic. In other words, always, just about always the media they're in is just the media to hold those roots, but they grow so strong because of being aeroponic. Their roots are exposed to enough oxygen to strengthen the plant, where in the ground you don't have that opportunity. You're right, wow. oxygen is all the difference.
0: Yes, yes, so plants need both. <laughs> uh. Okay. Now, when it comes to the um, harvesting, let's say, of kale or lettuce, how should it be done? I know you don't just whack the top off of (laughs) it, but how do you harvest it so that the plant can still thrive and produce more?
1: Everything everything has a a different way of being trimmed or cut. Generally, when people come and buy lettuce, I I don't cut it. I, I actually pull it live, which means I pull the whole pot out. I keep my little mat pot, a little black pot, and I hold it in, and they go home with a rock will attached, so they have a living lettuce. so if they put it in the refrigerator and that rock will stay stamp, that lettuce is alive, no nutritional breakdown. but if you're growing one tower for yourself in your backyard, well then if you have lettuce like leaf lettuce, you can cut you can pick and pick and pick as it's growing. you could literally i take my salad bowl to my towers. And I decide what lettuce I want. So if I want to pick around the green leaf lettuce, I can pick all the big leaves and go over to a bib, do the same, romaine or red or spring. Or if you have one head that's already full, it's a full head, I could take my knife or scissors and I leave about at least two inches to be a growing stock. And then I'll cut it and take the whole head and put it in my bowl and let that regrow. And it will regrow two or three times. And, but if it's extremely hot, I tell people it might only grow like twice because of the heat intensity, but it's, it's only taken 30 days to grow, so it's very easy to replace. So that's how you work with lettuces, but if you the, have a head lettuce like romaine or bib, that's a so did
0: I. So yeah. did I hear that right? You said that from seed to harvest is 30 days?
1: Well, yes, from the time you pop your seedling in. It may take you a week to grow your seedling or even 10 days. From the time you plant your lettuce and in there, in my tower gardens, it takes 30 days max. And now it's summer, so it actually is a lot quicker. It's you know it can take three and a half weeks to a full head. That's,
0: that's that's quick.
1: That's that's 30 to 40 percent quicker than in the ground. Yes, absolutely.
0: Wow. So the head wow. lettuce
1: is a little. Like bib lettuce and romaine, they're head lettuces. And you can't trick Mother Nature. You can't cut off a head and regrow it. But you kind of eat it as it grows on the outside, and eventually you're going to have to pull the head. And hopefully, you thought ahead. Okay. And you had a little seedling growing, ready to pull that lettuce out and pop another. Kale, Swiss chard, celery, all of those other items are simply you can pick off the outer leaves as you need um, and continually do that. Or you could cut kale, you could cut Swiss chard and then regrow it, but I tend to not. What I will do is harvest all the big leaves and keep it continually growing. Tower gardens are a perpetual garden, meaning this. It's not like in the ground where you grow the crop and then you only get a couple cuttings and you're done with that season. I'll grow kale. I can grow kale for a year if I choose to. It will grow extremely long. It will hang out four feet from the tower. But it'll hold itself there and it'll continually grow. And the beauty wow. of Arapani growing is if you grew kale, say, for instance, in the ground and you cut it a couple of times and the weather was conducive and it let you do that. But if you actually could keep it growing in the ground for six or eight months, there is no way that the nutritional value of that kale eight months later would anywhere be equal to when you first cut it the nutritional value would be decreasing, unless you're a scientist and you kept putting minerals in the ground. Aeroponically, I can cut kale six months later and it's as nutrient-dense as the first cutting.
0: That's a us Yeah, let's repeat that. So what you're saying is that if you plant kale in the soil, eventually the nutrients around that area will be depleted.
1: That's only natural, if you think about it. The soil can only hold so many minerals. Like you know, when you first planted it, you got all your stuff together, you added whatever you needed. Unless you keep fertilizing continually, it has to be less than originally when it was grown.
0: I see. Okay.
1: Or, that doesn't happen because the roots draw up every day, every hour. They draw up exactly what they need from your tonic.
0: Wow. That's uh that's good to know. Yeah. That's, that's good. Food-
1: So important. That's why the minerals that you use is just as important as the type of seeds and the type of unit you're growing in. You have to have minerals in your water that will support a healthy growth.
0: Because talking about the minerals in the water. um, How do you know how much and how do you maintain it? Um, And uh, when should you check? How often should you check your minerals?
1: Well, in the Tower Garden system, like many other systems, the system is very simple to do. When you first fill it up, you have the required measurement, you know, of what's needed. You know, in this, it's 200 mils of A and B, and you'll stir it up. You'll also then check it. You'll check the water mixed with the minerals. to check its pH balance. Plants are like people; they prefer a certain pH to be healthy. So the five so, so, range of five to seven for plants. Five to,
0: five to seven. Okay.
1: Okay. And then, so if your pH is way high or low, you know, from your water source, your water source will create that difference, then you adjust it. We have a food-grade pH balancer that you, you know, adjust it up or down. So that's how originally you filled it up. So as it's growing, well, when it's babe, when there's still babies, the first few weeks, you would virtually add no water. You know, I mean, it would use very little because it's a recycled system. That's why it only uses 5% of water that it would as opposed to growing in the ground. But so as it's growing though say for instance I'm looking at a tower here that has 20 holes in it. but I'm growing two tomatoes, I'm growing a cucumber, I've got eggplant going on so I've got lots of things that are using water and minerals. Well then I'm checking my tower every week for sure and I'm refilling it with water and the required minerals for that amount of water. So in other words, if I refilled, you know, I had to refill it and put 10 gallons of water, I would simply get out the minerals, look at the backup, and say, okay, I need to add these amount of minerals with that water. And so ah. my food is always there, just like humans, just like we eat every day so that we have that nutritional pool to draw from, it's the same as for your plants.
0: Okay. So if I understood right, that means that as a plant matures, um, you need to start to add more uh, nutrients and more water,
1: yes, yes, I always there's a little square there's a low square lid in the reservoir, so all I do is open that up and as my water's running down, if when people grow towers, they're always checking their towers because they're so amazed. you know it's so fun to the growth to see the growth and to see how quickly it grows. So you're always checking your towers. so you open the little lid and you look in. If it's only down a few inches and you happen to have a hose there, fill it up with just water. But when it starts growing, growing, yes, then you'll be checking and It might be a quarter of the way down, which is like five gallons. Okay, then you want to add the minerals to go with it. It does not have to be a science project. You know, it's just a matter of making sure there is always food for the plant.
0: Okay, okay. Now, you now how many tower gardens do you have?
1: I grow roughly 100. I guess on an average of about 100, sometimes more, sometimes less. It just depends on the season and what we're doing.
0: Now, how do you check and monitor that many? That seems to be um, quite a few to manage.
1: Well, when it comes to well part of our system is combined on one delivery system, okay? In other words, so it's one tank I can check the minerals on, and the others we simply spot check. You can always tell the difference in plants when you're looking at strong nutrient and plants continually, you know, you can see the life of the plant and the green in the in the lettuces, and celery is actually deep green. It's not white like you buy at the store. That's wow. that's showing you the minerals and the health of the plant. And so if there's anything ever off balance, the first thing we'll check is pH balance and nutrients.
0: Okay. So we
1: spot, spot check.
0: Okay. Wow. That's pretty good to know. I guess after a while you get to know your plant. <laughs> Uh,
1: we we have thousands of people growing towers, so because of that, the common questions will be everything was fine, but all of a sudden everything looks yellow and it's not looking good. First question, have you added food? Second question have you checked pH Nine times out of ten, one of the other hasn't been done
0: okay, okay and then that's the third good. is
1: does it have adequate sun? You know aeroponic is a wonderful way to grow. But it does require sun. There's no tricking Mother Nature. So Mother Nature says, you want to grow a garden with, like, tomatoes and things? Okay, I need at least six hours sun.
0: Right, right.
1: If it's just greens, you could do a little less. But um, so those three things are the majority of issues that come up with aeroponics growing. It's a lack of knowledge, uh, not knowing how important the three are. Once you've got that marked, then it's easy to grow.
0: Well, wow, it's good to know. I guess also too another subject that, that that could come up is um pest um in your garden um like how do you control um invaders that come in to uh uh to cause havoc on your garden?
1: Well, the beauty of a tower garden and vertical growing is that you're not on the ground, number one. So that helps a bit, you know, not just having say well a welcome mat for bugs just to crawl in like your ground cat, right?
0: That's okay, a good point. So
1: yeah. Your roots, obviously, are never exposed to that either. But you're in the air. I mean, I am in the middle of the woods here. I have 64 acres. My greenhouse doesn't have screen on it. It's not a typical greenhouse. It's an open side. I have a luminette. In other words, it's a lightweight screening. that's has big holes for all of my bees and everything. It just keeps up birds is what it does. So oh. I get any pests that may be in any trees around but aeroponic growing, first of all, you're growing stronger plants. So your pest will be much less. You can do a number of things. And that's what we do here, exactly. First of all, there's just like if you're into organic gardening or serious gardening, there's complementary plants that you can plant in a tower. Like I always will pop in like garlic chives instead of garlic onions in a garden, which deter pests, pest or a marigold here and there. So that's helpful. But, but how
0: does that help?
1: Because those are complementary plants you can do in any garden in the ground because they're pest repellent. They're just is, it
0: just, of the, is it because of the older, the older of them, or is it uh, because of something else, or
1: No, it's, it's, it's the smell and the plant itself is more of a plant pest deterrent. It's just an old-fashioned way of planting gardens.
0: I didn't but know that. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, you can use a lot of your ground-growing knowledge for towers or aeroponic growing with no problem. But if you do have issue, the beauty of aeroponics is this. It's vertical. I'm standing looking at a tower and it's right, you know, at my eye length down. I mean, anybody can grow a tower that's 5 or 85 because it's easy to manage, right? It's right in front of you as opposed to on the ground with crawling down. So you can see a pest issue. So you, you do have pests. It depends on what you have in your area. Okay, so if you do, it's very simple. I only recommend using an organic pest control at least or at least an omri approved you know meaning it's organic ingredients in it so if you do have a pest issue there's plenty of especially now i don't care if it's in the big stores home depot you know in lowe's or, or any of the nurseries have certified organic pest management so you wait until the sun is off of your leaves and then you spray it And you always spray on top of a plant and underneath of a plant or with aeroplanic growing My plants are in a little net pot, which is a plastic pot that's holding them in that cylinder. So I can also even decide to pull them out if they're small enough, pull them out, turn them upside down, hold them in that little pot, rinse them off with an insecticidal soap or whatever it is you'd like to use, and put them back in. Or if you have something that's that's all of a sudden you woke up and you looked at your tower and you just had some kind of major invaders or aphids all of a sudden or something like that, Pick off the leaves affected, get it away from your tower, wash your hands before you go back to work with your tower, and do that spray that night. And with organic sprays, the difference is, is they're not chemicals, so it won't stick to your plants. So if you have to treat an area, you treat it once, and four or five days later, you do it again. Because organic pest control is used to break the life cycle, so spraying it a second time is helpful.
0: Wow, Okay. That's yeah. it gives a lot of good information so that we can keep our gardens healthy, most when it comes to pests. <laughs> now, also too, we mentioned a little bit uh, that you said that your greenhouse is a little bit different, where it it allows um, different insects to enter, but just keeps out the birds. So, assuming that's because of the um, pollination.
1: Yes, yes. We grow all types of, of plants. I mean, zucchini and strawberries and tomatoes and things. And many of those plants are, like, asexual, I call them for in simplicity. But in other words, they have the male-female already, and they don't need a pollinator. But other things like squashes and strawberries, they need to be pollinated. So they need the bees, you know, they need whatever that can pollinate. So that's why. So this isn't... I only, I only have a greenhouse because... I have a lot of people come through my greenhouse if it rains, right? Or, or I can turn lights on if we're working in the dark. That's why it's actually a greenhouse. But my sides don't really keep anything out other than birds and squirrels.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Bees can
1: always come in. My bees and wasps also help out with that. But you know, to pollinate the plants, I need. Or I teach people to pollinate themselves. There's a huge issue with bee population today that they're dying off. So it's very easy to plant. I mean, to pollinate you know, squashes
0: and things yourself. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Here in California, I know that there is a, um, um, there is like a, um, a competition with different bees where now they house them and they ship into different uh, farms. Like we have areas around here that grow um, almond trees and that the bee population is so low that they actually have to import bees <laughs> yes. into their in, into their orchard uh, to be able to produce their uh, crops. So so by having an arrow garden, I guess, a vertical garden, um, you can kind of like supplement it by doing some hand pollination.
1: Oh, yes. And it's easy and it's fun and anybody can do it. And we even have videos to show it. So it's, you know, it, Googling today gives you everything. But so we even have, uh, you know, that to show people that how easy it is. It's just a basic. it's interacting with your food, which is really interesting. So if you'd like to create better food, more food, it just shows a little human interaction.
0: Right, right, Wow. Now, so now you mentioned about your greenhouse, how that is kind of um, special. Um, what type of water do you use to uh, source all your plants?
1: I have both well water and rainwater. I collect thousands of gallons of rainwater, and my well is my backup. So I always have a constant water source, so I don't draw from any utility in my area.
0: Right. Okay. And you mentioned that you use five percent less water compared to um, in-ground watering. So that's a, I a 95, saving. Ninety-five
1: percent less. I use about five percent of the water it would take to grow in the ground.
0: Oh, sorry. Yes, I got it. I got got it backwards there. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. Yeah. So you use ninety-five percent less. Yes. That's and that's a huge, huge um, savings when it comes to water. And oh, right yes. now, well, California,
1: you know that right now, but it's not just yes. California. There's at least 30 other states that have that issue. I mean, you know, if you go through all the different states, Florida is the same thing. They're talking about predicting the future in Florida. And yet both of our states, you're out in California and I'm in Florida, are surrounded. I'm not surrounded, but surrounded on one side by water. But we're running out of water. So right. Mother Earth cannot keep up with what we have going on. And they figure by 2050 that we have to double our food production to feed the population at that time. That would be impossible if we are growing on the earth. So aeroponic growing. What I do here, what anybody does that grows aeroponic, okay, is I give Mother Earth a break. This is soil conserva- soil preservation. And this is water conservation. Um, it's just absolutely necessary that we learn more how to grow vertically, grow aeroponically, or hydroponic, if that's your choice, because that'll be the only way we can keep up with the food production that's going to be needed to feed our kids that's, and grandkids.
0: That's a good point, that uh, growing this way is a form of water conservation. And, oh, yeah.
1: Um, yes, yeah, yeah. So ever... you're going to be seeing that more and more. It has to be. You don't have a choice. Yes. Now you can't do that with almond trees. You can't do that with avocado trees. But the majority of the water, I think they estimate sixty to seventy-five percent, in a lot of areas are used just for agriculture, and that is California to the max. So if you cut that down even in half, you would not right now have this water crisis.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is very true. So that's what we need to do. This is so. This is this the this is the future
1: this is the future but it's upon us now if you've ever been to the land at disney um the land in hydroponic at epcot shows you these you just go through and they have all these different hydroponic and aeroponic systems it has been there for 20 years if somebody had gone there 15 years ago or if they go there today they will take the little boat ride to look at all these plants hanging and growing and their and the roots exposed etc and say wow that's the future But the funny thing is, it's not the future anymore. This is today. This is what we need to do today. And when it comes to all types of urban settings, and I don't mean urban. It doesn't have to be downtown New York and San Francisco. It can be any type of community that they just don't grow in gardens. They don't have room for growing in gardens. Well, how are you feeding all those people? Through our farmland? Our farmlands and our farmers are becoming fewer and fewer especially when it comes to clean, organically grown, clean grown food. So we really don't have a choice of people looking at it, knowing that it's available. Not everybody's going to grow aeroponically, but today we have to, uh, my goal, my, my goal is always educational here. It's to feed the community and it's to educate. Everybody needs to know they can grow their own food. If they choose to, like what you mentioned about building a system, growing a tower garden, it matters not which way they do it, but they need to know they have a choice that they can do it right on their yes. backyard, right on their porch, right on their, you know, out in the mulch, and they can be successful at it.
0: That's true. So everyone has an opportunity to uh, grow their own produce. Yeah, yeah, talking about that, I know some of the listeners are probably interested in in what you do because like you said that some of your uh, crop you actually sell.
1: Oh, yes. My customers come um, a couple days a week. Well, actually, we'll start three days soon. They come to buy anything we're growing. So whether it be lettuce or tomatoes, like I said, whatever I'm growing at the time that's ready and ripe, it's for sale. But then we also sell to different stores and co-ops that only deal with either natural or organic food. And then we also have two food banks in our area, and there are food banks in every area that need food. They don't get fresh produce, but they get lots of mac and cheese and canned goods. And so we serve two different um, co-ops, I mean, food banks in our area. So we feed about 300 families every week, and um, and that's continually.
0: Wow. Now talking about the co-ops, how did you get that going? What should someone need to know if they wanted to um, sell their produce to a co-op?
1: Well, if you're growing in in even a small farm or even a small way, just search in your area as to what co-ops are going on. I've always, because that's my background of having natural food stores and things, so I've always had an organic produce co-op, meaning that you're buying, you know, wholesale, and a number of families, you know, come one day a week, and we order and buy, and we take home, so you get a much better price. So they're all over the country that people will do this in their homes or they'll do it at a farm as a CSA or whatever. So it's really just checking in your area and seeing who's out there now or starting a co-op of your own. And so I simply supply what I grow to them, whatever I grow in quantity, whether it's lettuces or it just depends on on what they want. So that as opposed to even buying them from a a farmer out in California, because I live in Florida, Okay. So instead of ordering the lettuce, they drove all the way over here and spent tons of money and fossil fuel to get here. Um, they should do it locally. So I supply to whoever wishes to buy local food that's strong, nutrient-dense.
0: Wow, okay, good, good. Yeah, so that's good to know if you want to share your produce with your neighbors.
1: Oh, absolutely. And just any community. I don't even care where you live. If somebody knew what you were doing and growing, whether it be a small or large scale, word of mouth will take it from there. Oh, okay. If you are totally invested in the health of your plants. That's the difference. And aeroponic allows you to grow with strong plants. So, as far as I am concerned, if you want to do it well, then you're going to pay attention to the feed you use, non-GMO. You're going to use organic pest control methods because you can. And and after that. Good minerals, that's that's why I grow Tower Garden. I did not start this to be a farmer. I, I did this greenhouse to showcase that anyone can grow their own food and how easy it can be and how you can support your community.
0: Yeah, talking about that you do educate, you give tours, right, at your um, what you call the uh, the Living Tower, right?
1: Towers, yeah. Living Towers, when we started it, we're always open. We have different tour- people that come through as tours. But we're also open simply during the week so people can just come and look around and ask. And so we do formal tours if there's a larger group. But if it's only five or six people, they simply come when we're open and they can, they can see what we do. They can see the produce. They can buy it. They can taste it. We also do classes once a month on aeroponic tower garden growing. So if you own an aeroponic system, if you own a tower garden, or if you're thinking about it, you can also come to a class and then we get simply more specific you know planting the seeds to to harvesting we go out to the greenhouse we trim herbs you know we we trim tomatoes we harvest lettuce we we show you by actually doing it so okay
0: you know. so like say that someone does uh 10 living F- uh living towers and they go on a tour what are, what are some of the things that they will see and learn
1: well, you can go to our website and see different pictures of living towers. So it's more the idea of learning how to grow aeroponically. So you walk in right now, and I don't know. I have about 20 towers that are grown like families would grow. You know, from anything from tomatoes to chards and lettuces and eggplants and things like that. So it's showing people the variety of things you can grow, whether it's in a five pot high tower. So whether whether the tower is a 20 high. Twenty pots, twenty plants, or twenty eight plants, or my other ones are forty four plants in a tower, so you can see the different ways of growing and you can see how things will look different when you grow them in a tower than in the ground as I said you know celery is actually green, green if you if you service it with minerals, it's not white, so in other words, it's, it's a very nutrient dense plant and the lettuces and all of that. So it's a matter of just coming, asking questions, and teaching them how simple it is to grow aeroponically.
0: Wow. And what are some of the age groups that come to participate in your tour?
1: Oh, all ages. We have towers in in preschools. We have towers in all different types of schools, including colleges. We have gardening groups that come. We have master gardening groups that come. We have school kids that come. Live. Um, so it's homeschoolers that come for it. so every all ages. So I work with kids, especially families. There is no better way to change a child's nutritional preference than to have them grow a garden. But today's world, to grow in the ground and keep a kid out there pulling weeds, is not a happy job. But <laughs> in a tower, if you insist that well, he's part of dinner. So here's the bowl. Go get some salad, honey, or go pick me some red tomatoes. Eventually, any child that's part of the growing process will start to eat more produce, especially if not forced. It becomes second nature.
0: That's my, a good thing.
1: My granddaughter is five. She came here when she was a year old. My son works with me. So at three, and now especially at five, she can go out to the greenhouse and name every plant that's anywhere. Those are sugar. Wow. with kale. That's Swiss jar. Grandma, what's going on with the peppers? You know, but she knows every, but it's not because we taught her specifically, but she also grazes, like we have thousands of children growing towers, and not just in the schools, but in homes, and those kids get to know what real food tastes like, and they will eat, if not forced, they will graze on their tower. In other words, you can't teach that in today's world unless a child's exposed to fresh produce. No better way to do that than with a tower.
0: Oh wow, that's a good point. So it can be a good educational as as well as inspiring your 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 children to eat healthy.
1: Bingo, and it keeps them engaged because it's not hard labor. <laughs> and in today's world, the world of convenience, and gets hard labor is anything you have to bend over and do, you know, continually. But a tower is more fun. It's it's simple to work with aeroponic growing.
0: So that's that true.
1: Also, that also helps enormously.
0: And plus, you're guarantee results.
1: Exactly, and it's the same when it comes to being older. We deal with we have lots of people growing towers that can no longer garden, that used to love to garden, but they can't. They can't bend over. They can't be on their knees. We work with a lot of seniors that grow. We have people in wheelchairs that grow their own gardens in a tower garden. So it's it's. I always say, from age five to eighty-five, you can grow a tower. There's no manual, no manual labor involved. It is simply if you don't make a real high one for a small child or you make or you're there, of course, to help. But it's just available because it's easy to do.
0: OK, so then the height is adjustable. Absolutely. OK. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Jan. Now, if someone wanted to learn more and maybe even purchase a tower garden, where, where should they go?
1: You can go to our website, livingtowers.com. It shows you a little bit about what we do on the website, on, on here at Living Towers. And then right on the front page, you click on Tower Garden. And then it gets more more detailed about the Tower Garden itself. And then for seedlings, we have the same. You can either go to our website or go to Living Tower Seedlings. If you already have an aeroponic system and you just wish to purchase seedlings and to get you started until you start planting your own seeds. At livingtowers.com, and the phone number is right on there. We're easy access. So, we're here to be of service to to educate and to help people build enough confidence to know it's time to grow a garden.
0: Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I like this one um, uh, statement on your website that said that the Tower Garden is your very own farmer's market right outside your back door. Right. How much more can we ask?
1: Uh, you really can't. You really can't. It, it, it's it's time we service ourselves, not just with our health, but our wealth. In other words, spend your money wisely, grow your own food, and save money in the long run and know what you're eating. But
0: exactly. Produce
1: is, one thing. produce is one thing. We teach and preach, I've taught for 25 years, people reading labels when you go into a grocery store. And many people are doing that. The catch is, when you go to the produce aisle, there's no labels per se. You don't know what happened to that produce. That's why I grow my own produce, so I have control of my food. So all of those, all of these components are so extremely important. And, um, and growing aeroponically can, it's nice to checkmark something off of your, your list here as to what you're doing for yourself. Aeroponic growing can checkmark a lot of things for a lot of people.
0: Right, and also too, it takes very little time investment for a, basically a uh, very uh, big results.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jan, and um, uh, I wish you well with your with your greenhouse because you're doing a lot for your for your neighbors and also for the community.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity of sharing it.
0: Okay, I'll. Well, we'll talk later.
1: righty, Bye bye now.
0: Bye bye.